0: This is episode 190 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing Women's Camp 2016 with Carrie Patterson. This is session four from Saturday morning. Good morning. Let's, should we do this? Should we just finish this? Yes. Yeah, shall we? Oh, yes. Obviously the work is not done, but we've been praying, I've been praying that God would finish the specific work that he's wanting to do this weekend that we would get every last drop out of our time together that we would not check out or um you know think well i'm kind of done and start making your grocery list or whatever it is that you start to do mentally okay and i understand like i'm going home to life too okay in a couple hours lots of life so um just stick with me for 45 more minutes all right um and let's keep our eyes on jesus and find out every last little bit that he wants us um, to know from his word. Okay? Deal? Alright. We are going to focus. Let's do a quick review. Where have we gone? Um, The first night, so Friday night, we asked the question. (laughs) We asked the question. Someone says, (laughs) ask. Okay? That's good. That's, That's the question when, right? Yes. And the answer was, as, right now, we're, we're there, we're waking up, okay, here we go. Um, when, the question is when, when do we make disciples? When do we fulfill the Great Commission? When do we do these things? And the answer was as, right? As you go, on the way, and I'm going to make you sick of hearing this over and over, but you're going to remember it. The main thrust of that Great Commission is to make, make disciples. disciples. And the other three verbs are what we call? disciples. <laughs> you have nailed it, girls. Nailed it, okay? Participle, so going, uh, baptizing, teaching, make disciples, okay? Awesome, so awesome. Yesterday uh, morning, we asked the question, who? Awesome, yeah, who? And the answer was you, (laughs) right, you. We saw the truth that God has a plan, and it's you, right? God has a plan, and it's you. And we are already loved, we are already rich, we are already called, And so our identity is firmly established before we go and do any awesomeness, right? Or any failure, for that matter. Our identity, because there's going to be a little bit of both, Um, our identity is firmly established before. And then last night, we looked at the word, (coughs) go. right? Go. And the, and the question that we asked was, yeah. where? where, right? Where are we supposed to go? Where are we supposed to do this? And we looked at seven different go callings, right? And saw some, some truth that perhaps, I hope again, I'm praying, 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 that one of those went thunk in your soul and identified. Maybe perhaps you knew where your Nineveh was, or who your Nineveh was, right? Somebody I talked to me said, "My Nineveh's got a face, right?" Like I know where my Nineveh is, right? And we're so tempted to go get me the ticket to not Nineveh, right? But where is it that we are called to go, right? Where is it that we are called to go? And again, it's not a formula. It's a relationship. It's not picking the right door. Ding, ding, ding! You pick the right answer, but it is about a relationship and falling in love over and over with our Lord and walking with him, and then we hear his whisper saying, this is the way, walk in it. Okay? That is where we have gone so far. So, this morning, we tackle the make disciples part, all right? And we ask the question, how? This is a kind of biggie, right? I mean, we, honestly, we could have done the entire retreat on this topic. Um, how? The question is, how on earth are we supposed to To do this. And honestly, um, I believe this is the real question. And maybe I'm being uh, too uh, generous with my assumptions. But I honestly believe that most Christians, that most believers aren't, like, outright rebelling. Like, no, I am not going to fulfill the Great Commission. I refuse. I mean, I, I, I I haven't talked to anybody like that. Like, no, I refuse to do that. I honestly believe that most believers don't know how. I think that we, we throw around the word discipleship, disciple, make disciples. we got to be disciples and make disciples. We've got discipleship programs. We've got discipleship curriculum. We've got discipleship. But I honestly believe, because I feel like that, okay? After, like I said, fumbling through this for about 17 years, I still feel like, Man, how do we make disciples? And so we learn together. And we're just going to look at a few more practical things this morning. We've talked a lot about the heart. We've talked a lot about identity. We've talked a lot about just cultivating that relationship with the Lord, which is first and foremost. But we're just going to talk through a a little bit of nuts and bolts, some tools, right? Some tools to have in your tool belt. And when we go out into the real world, we have some ideas. So again, there are no formulas for making disciples. There's no formulas for following Christ, right? When Jesus said, follow me, he didn't say, Follow me. Here's your workbook, right? Workbooks, They didn't say follow me to this certain philosophy or follow me to this certain moral code, though that's included. He said follow me. Follow a person. Enter a relationship with me, right? So there's no formula for that, and it looks different in every situation. But there are some common themes that we can look at. Now, I highly recommend, if you did not go to Taylor's workshop, uh, if you were Warrior Dashin or whatever you were doing, definitely download that um, workshop. I I seriously just get the workshop. Uh, It's excellent in terms of really practical things, Um, and so I'm going to not cover a lot of that stuff. I think you can really get that um, from that workshop. So I highly, highly recommend um, downloading that workshop. But we're just gonna look at seven things together again. Sorry, seven, I can't help myself. We're gonna look at seven things together that I believe we see from the life of Jesus, okay? So Jesus is our example of how to make disciples. Also, along the way, um, you know, I'll be sharing a little bit of my stumbling, fumbling uh, journey in discipleship as well. Okay, so Jesus is our example. And I'm just going to pray for us one more time as we dive into the Word. God, thank you for all that you've done this weekend. Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus, who came to earth to make disciples of us. Thank you that he not only paved the way for us, but he showed us how. And so, Lord, open our Lord, open our eyes to see what you want us to see, God. Um, and i just pray you would illuminate uh, your word for us in Jesus' name, Amen. So we've touched on this a lot, but I just think it is it's, it's worth repeating one more time. But that's that is this the number one thing? The first thing is that the first disciple you should make is you. Right? The first disciple to take responsibility for right discipleship is really. Beginning to take responsibility for someone else's growth. Not not primary responsibility, but to begin to go, I am invested in this person. So the first disciple you should make is you. We see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus first submitted himself to be baptized himself. (laughs) Right? First, he identified himself. I am a follower of God, my father. Right? know they're one too much for this topic right now to get through in that, but he identified himself. I am a follower of Jesus. He himself submitted to 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. Right? Before he began to make disciples, he was a disciple. And he submitted himself fully and wholeheartedly and completely to the will of God. That's what we sang last night, right? I surrender all. All to you. The same was true with the disciples. First, the disciples (laughs) made disciples of themselves. Jesus made disciples of them. But first, they committed themselves to Jesus. Before Jesus said, go, Jesus said, come. So first, he says, come to me. And then he says, go to Jesus. So our first responsibility, again, as a disciple maker, is to be with Jesus. Right? I ask you again, do you spend time with Jesus? Isn't a box to check off. This is how we become disciples. Do we regularly spend time daily at His feet in prayer? Do we spend time in God's Word? Not just reading it, but applying it, obeying it, wrestling through it. Most Americans, I would say, Probably still, this is true. Would ident- self-identify themselves as Christians? Okay. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Right. The definition, kind of a standard definition of a disciple, that is as a noun, a thing, person, place, or idea, is someone who adheres to the teachings of another. Okay, a follower or a learner. Okay, this refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. Okay. There's a lot of disciples of other people in this world, too, right? A lot of disciples of Oprah. There's a lot of disciples of, of famous people, right? So, it applied to Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from him to live like him. Okay. Someone who conforms his or her entire life to the life of Jesus. That's why we're called Christians, right? The word Christian just means little Christ. Following after him. So to call ourselves disciples implies some activity, right? There's like a studying, a learning, a growing, a following, a doing, right? We talk about, sometimes we mention maybe someone is a non-practicing whatever the religion is. Right? you probably heard that. Or a non-practicing, I'm not going to say one because somebody will get offended, but a non-practicing this or non-practicing that. There is no such thing as a non-practicing disciple. There is no such thing as a non-practicing follower of Jesus, right? I would hard work, right? If we are non-practicing, I would challenge us, are we in Christ? Are we in Christ, right? Examine. The scriptures are full. Are we secure in him? Yes. The scriptures are also very clear. Examine. Examine our lives. Is there fruit in my life? Is my life becoming more and more like Jesus? There's no such thing as a non-practicing disciple. So am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? If someone looked at my life, would they see someone actively seeking out Christ-likeness? Someone hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Someone following him steadfastly. Not perfection, right? Not talking about that. But talking about a hunger to follow him a desire to know him and to obey him. Now, if that doesn't describe you, there's hope, right? If that does not describe you, but you want it to describe you, the first step I would say is this, seek out someone to disciple you. Seek out someone purposely and intentionally to disciple you. Now, I honestly, I, as we were singing that song about God's grace, I just, I feel like my life is just, you know, uh, playing in front of me thinking his his grace, right? I mean, everything good in our life, we have fallen backwards into people like everything good. I feel like we just like tripped and like, Oh, Oh, thank you, Lord. Um, my husband always says God's will is idiot proof we are proof of it right so many things you guys i mean not am not talking like rebellion and disobedience but just you know we still have a clue right but falling backwards into discipleship i um came to college and i grew up in a christian family but i i remember the very first time i heard the word disciple as a verb right as an action word like to disciples i've never heard that in my life like a disciple is a noun and disi- like the disciples of Jesus. Those are people. I had never heard that word used as a as a verb. And I remember. Sitting in, I didn't have a clue. I'd never read my Bible. I didn't, I was so clueless at 18. And I remember sitting in a little, um, I was going to some Bible study that someone, you know, it was more like, hey, we're going to this cool thing. I was like, all right, I'll go with you. Um, sitting in campus villa apartments. I don't know if those are still there, but we're sitting there and I still remember where I was sitting. I remember this little scratchy tweed, you know, on the couch. And there was a girl and she was just sharing her testimony and she was talking about the woman who was discipling her. And I was like, What? Like, disciple? She's like, yeah, so she discipled me. And I was like, why are you using that word as a verb? I do not understand, right? I'm an English major. I am not computing. Why are you are using that word? But I understood what it meant, right? Kind of like a godly version of mentoring, okay, right? And so I understood what she was saying. and, And as she talked, I was so captivated by what she said. It sounded like this incredible experience she was being discipled like no wonder she was godly she had somebody who was helping her what an idea right and so i went home from there and i was like i want to be discipled why should she be the only one that gets to be discipled? i want to be discipled. so i thought well who was going to disciple me i had no idea right so i thought to myself and i just thought through my life and i thought well who do i want to be like in a godly way, right? Who do I want to pattern my life after? And the woman that came to mind was back in my in my parents' hometown. That was the way I was away at college, um, and and her name was Elisa, and she was probably I think she's probably maybe nine years, old, eight years older than me or something. But just kind of the next stage of life ahead, and she had three young children, and I just I had always I didn't know her well. I maybe only talked to her a couple times. But I so admired, I watched, right? This is a good practice by the way, watch people. I watched how she treated her husband in public and I watched how she raised her kids and I watched just the way she carried herself and when she spoke and I was like, that is what I want. I want to be godly like her. Right? and I just thought she was, I mean, who was God, and then there was back. and she was just, it's was amazing, and so this was before, like, email, we didn't, um, I mean, I, I had a computer, but you didn't, we didn't, I didn't have email, and so um, I wasn't texting, I mean, I don't have a phone, or anything, right, remember when we wrote letters? You remember that, okay, good, and so I was like, we need to write her a letter, and so I got out paper, right, do you remember this? Yes, so I got out paper and a pen, and I wrote this letter, and I wrote, Jerry Lisa you don't know me very well that I just found out about this thing called discipling (laughs) have you heard of it? (laughs) I said I don't really know what it is but I'm wondering if you would do that to me (laughs) love Kari I mean that was it it was just like pretty straightforward it's like do you like me? Yes or no? <laughs> and so, and then I waited, it, right? I mean, there's no this instant gratification thing. I mailed it. I put a stamp on it and mailed it away. And I don't remember how long, maybe a week or so. Um, later, I received a letter back. <gasps> you know? And it was it was kind of thick, you know? That was a good sign. Anyway, she wrote me a letter back and said, you know, Dear car I would be honored to disciple you only if, we can be friends. I'd be more comfortable if we're just friends, right? That was her humble way of just saying, we're, we're doing this together. And, and then she began and she went into and she shared her entire life testimony on paper. And it included good, bad, ugly, vulnerable, transparent. I was like, she's not perfect. <laughs> This is amazing. She's got a past. Jesus has saved her. God's grace is clear in her life. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And that freed me. I was a pretty, uh, um, private closed person. Like this, all this, like sharing all the stuff, like this is, this is only Jesus. That's new. I'm not like that. Um, naturally. I'm not like that. Did you hear me? I'm not like that naturally. It's still like, anyway. Um, but it gave me the freedom to open up my life to her. There are all kinds of things, good, not good, in my life at that point, right? And she was the first person I felt comfortable completely being vulnerable. And, um, and so we began spending time together. We lived, and I'm sharing part of this too, I want you to know, um, that it can look so different in so many seasons. I mean, I was away at college. She was in a different town. It wasn't like we were able to meet up every week. She had little kids. There were all kinds of restrictions on our time. But every time I would go up there to to town, to my hometown, we would meet up together. And we would just begin talking. And she would just ask me questions. And we would be in the Word together. And she ended up discipling me in such a way that it included all of life. She invited me in. And this is what just undoes me about her. She invited me in to every aspect of her life. I listened and I noticed that she never spoke poorly about her husband. To this day, I, and many years later, we walked through hard marriage things together. Um, but even if she honored her husband, I watched her I'd go to her house and just spend time with her. Her kids were there with her, right? You know, And I watched her as she trained her children as she responded to them as she disciplined them as she was patient with them right i watched how she ate i mean i I was like checking her out okay like i mean not creepy but i was like i gotta learn i am clueless okay i am 18 and don't have a clue how to walk in this world and i watched her and then i remember along the way maybe it was a year into our relationship she was pregnant and and Anna, and I at this point, so I'm not naturally a kid person, okay? I'm just telling you all sorts of, I love my children. Like, I love me, my children so much, but I probably don't love your children. <laughs> so, like, when people see how obsessed I am with my kids, they think like, oh, you're such a kid person. I'm like, no. Um, and so I was really scared about having kids I did not want to have children I mean the process, the whole thing I'm just like, I just don't think that's for me <laughs> and so she got pregnant and she said would you like to come with me to my prenatal appointments it would be a good experience so I did I went with her and I learned about this whole process and then would you believe it when she was gonna have her baby, she had a home birth because she was amazing <laughs> She gets all done she's like, can I have a couple of ethyl? I'm like, my oh, gosh, woman, you're crazy. Anyway, she crazy. I didn't get that part from her. I'm like, get me my epidural." <laughs> anyway, um, but she asked, she said, would you come to the birth of my baby? I was so dumbfounded. But I will tell you, going through that with her made me not afraid when it was time for me to have a baby. Right, she welcomed me and she took me grocery shopping with her. She's super frugal. I get that from her. I blame her. She—they had a very tiny income. She had to be very careful with their finances. She would take me grocery shopping with her and show me how she fed her gaggle of children. Right? I mean, everything. So my, she invited me into life, into life with her, and I understand that you cannot um, invite a very many people into your life in that way. But it has forever changed. My life, right? That was 18 years ago. We're still very, very close friends. She lives in a different state now, but even just this week on Wednesday, we had our phone date, right? We talked for over an hour, catching up on all the things that the Lord is doing in our lives. 18 years, she's influenced me. So, where do you find someone? I just say, you know what? Stumble through it the same way I did. Just look around and go, whose life do I emulate? Who do I want to be like in a Christ like way? and then seek them out and say something really awkward, just like me, right? I found out about this thing called cycling at this retreat I went to. Would you do that to me? Right? I mean, it's just so simple, right? It's just so simple. Would you do that with me? We are wise to imitate. Sometimes we talk about, you should compare yourselves with others. Okay, you shouldn't compete with others, true. But throughout the scriptures, we see Paul says in Philippians three seventeen, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Get your eyes on those who are walking godly. Why? If you don't, your eyes will be on the people who are not walking godly, right? The world is happy to give you plenty of examples to, to model your life after. So we fix our gaze on Jesus Christ as best we know him in the scriptures and in our time with him and on godly people who are walking the way we want to walk. Paul was always ultimately pointing people to Jesus. Right? We want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, not a disciple of one of his disciples. the Corinthians got tangled up in that in 1st Corinthians 1. They were like, "Well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos." Well, I'm all Cephas, right? It's just like you are so immature, right? We can get to who, who are you? Who do you follow, or what? Whatever it is, right? There's all these different. Do you go to this conference, or do you do this thing, or whatever? We're like pointing to Jesus, we're not to make disciples of ourselves. We're not to make little mini knees, right? Disciples of Jesus. So we are susceptible. I was thinking about this yesterday or in Taylor's uh, uh, workshop. She talked about how she loved to wear scarves, and pretty soon she noticed that all of the people she would disciple all started wearing scarves. <laughs> I was like, that's not the part you're supposed to imitate from me, right? I've seen this before. There's a, um, well, I should go. Anyway, somebody, never mind. It, it's not helpful. I was like, are you modeling? person or Jesus, but I noticed this even when I first started meeting with Elisa, we are very, very different, by the way, temperament and personality-wise, completely different, and so I started, when I started meeting with her, I would try to do everything like her, okay, and so I would try to be really quiet, really soft-spoken, and and kind of hold my head down, very meek. And, um, and then I would, I would sweep my bangs over the way that she did. It was so pretty. she kind of sweep them down like this. And then eventually I saw a picture of myself, and I was like, I look ridiculous with my hair like that. That is not the way my hair is meant to go, right? And I realized I've been imitating the wrong things. Right? So what is it? the question of what is Christ in her that I want to be like? The thing that I admired was that she was feminine and kind. She was soft-spoken, but really that was evidence of a gentle and quiet spirit. She had this calm and peace about her. That was what I needed to emulate, not my bank's, right? That was what, so ask, what is Christ in them that I want to emulate? Not just a certain personality trait or the way that they look. So look for someone who looks like Jesus. Look for someone who looks like Jesus, someone who embodies the godly characteristics that you most desire in your life. Look for someone who is patient and wise, who exhibits the fruits of the Spirit, who honors her husband, if applicable, who cares for her children. Look for someone who loves the scriptures. Look for someone who prays. Look for someone who serves, who embodies humility. This is a tall order, I know, right? You might not find one with all of those things. And then ask if she would consider helping you, mentoring, discipling, whatever you want to call it, grow as a follower of Jesus. Now, also, and I think we all know this, but throughout our life, there are going to be different people who who disciple us just in certain areas. Right? I've, had a, I've had godly mentors in many, many different areas, some of them only with parenting things, some of them with, with studying the scriptures, some of them with speaking, some of them with different aspects of life that we learn and glean from. So my example with Elisa is rather all-encompassing, but it isn't always going to be like that. Right? Would you help me become more godly in knowing the scriptures? You can be specific like that. Now, that's number one, and that's kind of the easy part, right? Writing a letter and saying, Will you? I heard about this thing called discipling. Will you disciple me? But what about the part where Jesus tells you to make disciples, right? What if, after I just told y'all to find someone to disciple you, what if someone comes and asks you, right? What if you're in this room and afterwards someone says, would you do that with me? <laughs> all right. Now what do I do? Then what? How do we make disciples? Now again, of course, we turn to Jesus. He had many disciples. It's interesting to think about. We often just talk about his 12 disciples. Um, He had many disciples. Many people followed him. Um, We see different callings even, too. The calling of sending out the 12, we see sending out the 72. There's lots of different instances where there's different sizes of groups that followed him. But then specifically, it says in Luke 6, that's the instance, Luke 6, 12 to 13, is where he he spent all night in prayer. And then out of his disciples, it says, he chose 12 apostles, right? So he had, he, there, was, um, there was selection going on. He chose these 12 apostles, and he said, follow me. Now, the thing that these guys had in common, as far as I can understand from the scriptures looking over this, what did these ones particularly have in common? And I would venture to say that the one simple thing they had in common is that when Jesus said, follow me, they did, right? Perhaps, and this is, this is a side note of speculation, perhaps when he looked behind him, they're the ones that are right on his heels. They're the ones who are willing to do whatever he said to do. When he said, follow me, they did. That's what they had in common. Every single one of these, when he had said, follow me, each one of them had left everything. Whether that was their tax collector station, whether that was um, their fishing business with their father, leaving the boats and his father and all the nets, leaving everything behind. They had left everything behind to follow Jesus. So when you are seeking out Someone to disciple. I would say the second thing we're looking at is pray for supernatural insight, right? Jesus spent all night in prayer. Pray for supernatural insight. And then disciple who is already following you. Who is already there? That's our first um, thing to consider. First, And obviously I don't mean following you like they're a follower of you. But who is already seeking your company? Who wants to be with you? Whose ear? This is huge. Whose ear do you already have? Who is it who is already wanting to listen to you? So often we, I, so often we get so excited about getting a new batch, right? Let's go get a fresh new disciple. Yeah, we'll get started on a program. Woo! You know, and getting some new person. Sometimes we neglect the ones who are already seeking to spend time with us. Right? Who is already in my life, moms? This would be our children, right? It's so exciting to go disciple out there, but I got some kids who would love to spend time with me, right? They're always wanting to. They're always pulling on my shirt or whatever, right? We're so tempted to think that all disciple making happens out there in the big exciting world when we have little ones sometimes who are practically begging to sit on our lap and read a story or talk together or pray together, right? There are little ones who would give anything to have a special mommy disciple date every Wednesday morning over hot chocolate, whatever it is, right? We started this with our kids. I started this about a year ago doing a a donut date, and we don't do donuts anymore, unfortunately, but but a date, right? Something that's special, and it's you and me together, and there's some little sweet treat to just sweeten the deal, but we get into our Bibles, right? And we talk about God's Word. Our children are capable of understanding so much more than we realize. Our children... This might even include other family members. For me, this includes my mom. Because of health issues and because of just certain things going on in her heart and needs and limitations. Um, this yes, last year the Lord has heavily put on my heart. You need to disciple your mom. And so this looks like going and seeking her out. And we can't, she can't go places, but we can, we can do the Armor of God study with Priscilla Shire. Woo! so good, right? And so I can, in that way, I'm not, I'm not discipling her like, mom, here's the thing. I'm coming alongside and helping facilitate her spiritual growth, right? So who was already wanting to spend time with you? The three women, the other three women that I was intentionally discipling this year, they were all ones who had purposely sought me out, For help with overcoming a specific issue um, or needing wisdom in a certain area or one that just said will you disciple me that one was pretty easy and clear (laughs) yeah Um, so certainly there are times we're going to talk in a minute about when you seek and look for someone but first who is already wanting to spend time with me right who is already wanting to spend time with me now What if it is the time to seek someone out? There's definitely that, right? There were some who sought Jesus out on their own, right? They came to him, right? Nicodemus, I would think it would be one of them. Several of them that came to him. There were other times that he went and sought people out. So I would say the same would be true for us. Some books, um, and I'm late. well, We'll see if we have time. Some helpful books in the way of discipleship, but some people say you should, you always, you should seek out the people that you want to disciple, always. You be the one to initiate. Some people say the person who needs to be discipled should always be the person to seek out. I say however it happens, let it happen, right? Disciple, yes. Seek out um, people to disciple, seek out people to disciple you. So Pray, the number three, pray for supernatural insight. You'll notice uh, a repetition here. Pray for supernatural insight and then consider these three things. When looking for people to disciple, to initiate discipleship with, look for these three things. Now, back in the day, you may remember, I don't know if you were involved in Campus Crusade or anything that was our background, but they always taught us you look for people who are fat, and I hate this acronym, Faithful Available Teachable, right? Those are great things, it's a really offensive acronym, so we're not gonna gonna use that anymore, I'm done. I cut that up and threw it away. We got a new one, and I liked this better, but anyway. Look for number one, spiritual hunger. Look for people who are spiritually hungry. This is huge, huge, this is number one. Who do you see who is hungry to grow? This means she's there, right? This means she's in church. This means she's showing up to the stuff. This means she is. you see her and you see she is eager to grow. Who shows up at Bible study and always has their assignment done, right? And I'm not saying the perfect student, the perfect person. I'm saying who is doing the work? Who is eager, right? Who is hungry? Who comes to the prayer meeting? Who signs up to do the not fun job? I'm not talking about looking for over-busy people, but who is hungry already? Now, spiritual hunger isn't the same as maturity, right? Babies are hungry. Babies aren't mature, right? So we're not necessarily looking for someone who's already, you know, the most knowledgeable or the most mature, but who is just hungry? It is so much. Can I just say this and hopefully save maybe someone, a ton of frustration. (laughs) It is so much easier to feed hungry people, okay? Oh my word, I have wasted so much time trying to force feed people who just aren't hungry right we love people it's so hard we love people and we look around and we think oh i know what you need i know what you need so here come you know here's some food you know and we are laboring and they're just like (laughs) how many times has this been a source of frustration in my life and for whatever reason the theme of this year the lord has been like feed those who are hungry There are plenty. There are plenty of people who are hungry. Feed them. Do not get discouraged and distracted. That was the word for me by those that are not hungry. Spend your time feeding. It's similar to when Jesus told his disciples to go out and preach the gospel and all these different. Every single one of the commissions includes that verse that we get uncomfortable about. About, you know what? If they don't want to hear, brush the dust off and move on. Now I am not saying that if someone isn't particularly interested in that moment that you're like, oh, brush the dust off my feet. It will be more pleasant for Solomon Gomorrah than for you. I mean, no, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> However, just know this: baby isn't the right season to try to feed them. Okay. There are plenty of people who are spiritually hungry. Now we can still play an active role. How in those people's lives? How? Pray for spiritual hunger. Pray for spiritual hunger in their lives. I am praying specifically over certain people. Do whatever it takes. Take away whatever you need to in order to create a hunger for you, God. And then when they're hungry, then we can disciple them. Oh, I can just think of so many examples of this. I won't go into more of them. But the things I have done to, to try to do everything to help someone, like, and you just, they have to be hungry, right? They have to be hungry. The next thing is this, so look for spiritual hunger. The next thing is just practical, looking at logistics, right? We are all in different seasons of life, and we can't always, um, It's just not gonna match for everyone. If you work uh, nine to six every day and um, there's a college student who needs to be discipled and she goes to class from six to nine every night, maybe it's not the best match, right? So just logistics. Look at how does this work with your season of life, knowing that I'm I'm not the only one, right? I'm not the only one who can make disciples. This is big for me because in my season, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I homeschool my kids. So that means they're home all the time, right? I don't have a lot of freedom to go out and do a lot of meetings. My husband takes Wednesdays off, so if I need to have a private meeting, I schedule that on Wednesdays. But um, that greatly dictates what that discipleship relationship is going to look like. Yours will too. Knowing this too, even in the, I would say this falls under logistics even. Just knowing that just because someone is spiritually hungry, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're the person to disciple them. And we, it's just so freeing when we can just get ourselves, right? Just get over ourselves. Thank you. That's the quote of the weekend from Janet. Get over ourselves and go, who might be the best person to discipleship? So the other, I'm passionate about discipleship, but I'm, I'm passionate about connecting people in discipleship. Right? Because if you can connect a discipler and a disciplee or whatever, you are helping both of them grow, Right? It was last year, in fact, at this camp, there were two um, women in our church, um, Amber Blair, so fun, two women in our church who had just started coming, and they're young, and um, they had uh, expressed interest in being discipled, and they had told me, um, not necessarily because they were saying, I want you, but they had said, I want to be discipled, Um, and they... Like, I have known them for a while. And so I was kind of their natural connection. And so I, of course, I'm like, oh, discipleship is awesome. Sure, I'd love to disciple you. Let's meet. And it never, we couldn't ever get our schedules to work out the way that one of them works. Anyway, it just never quite worked. And I just kind of had this unease about it. And I was kind of like, the discipling people was like, it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, we're supposed to do this. So why do I feel this unease? And last year at camp... I'm walking and praying around that lake right up there, and I'm praying for these two girls, specifically for them, and about discipleship. And clear, as anything, I get this hello. You aren't the one to disciple them. Oh, that's a good idea. And he showed me specifically who the two people were who were supposed to disciple them. One with this one girl, one with Alicia. And the amazing thing was that these two, and specifically that one was like, It's just a God thing, you know? Anyway, so those two discipleship relationships, I would say, are perhaps the most powerful connections that have been made in this last year. They've been incredible discipleship relationships, this one and that one both. And I just think, oh, I was so close to messing that up, right? By going, I've got to do it. Right? I'm the natural connection, so I've got to do it. It's like, Lord, who do you want? Does that make sense? So in our in our heart for discipleship, let's also think, who can I connect in discipleship? Who do you think, Holy Spirit, lead me and help me to facilitate disciple-making as well? And then the last thing, we got to finish here. The last thing is receptiveness, right? Is this person receptive? Because they might be hungry, and for whatever reason, can we just be so honest and say not everyone is receptive to us there's all kinds of complexities going on right it might not be a sin thing it might just be like i'm telling you these specific girls i was telling about they connect so much better with the women who they are now being discipled by than than they do with me i love them we're friends But these relationships they have are like crazy connection. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We don't have that crazy connection. We're sisters of Christ, we love each other. So, are they receptive to hearing from me? And I love something Taylor said too. She said, it's so great to just invite someone. Let's meet three or four times and study the scriptures together. right? And that way you have some time to figure out, are we the best match for discipleship? Or maybe I wonder if she might be a great connection for you, maybe because of your station in life, maybe because of some of your experiences. So I've overstated that, but think through, be intentional about how can we connect people, right? And then even just knowing, you know, maybe you meet with someone for a while and they just, they lose interest or it doesn't work out, it's okay, right? Even Jesus did not have a perfect record right? It was 11 through 12. Ours is not going to be either, right? If someone comes up to you and says, or they they, they tell you, you know what, I actually connect a lot better with this other person or this other group. I'm going to go over there, get your ego out of it, praise the Lord, right? And send them on their way. That's happened to me too, right? They might just connect somewhere else better, and that might be a better fit for them. So we just get ourselves out of it and do whatever we can to facilitate discipleship, not just our discipleship. Okay? Again, there were other um, oh in our in our attempts there were two other this is another picture of that who is hungry there were two other women this year that I tried to disciple. Um, because you know we were passionate. we were passionate about disciple making, so we've got women's discipleship, and we're matching people up as best as we can. And these were these these were my two girls. I was supposed to I was supposed to disciple them, and so I went after them with the with vengeance, right? I pursued them, and I texted them, and I called them, and spent time with them, and you know they just weren't interested. You know. Um, and I realized I was spending a lot of time pursuing them and trying to make this work. And then the Lord showed me, you know, you're spending so much time pursuing these two people. You're neglecting the people who were asking to spend time with you, right? So just being mindful of where to spend our time. We have very limited time. All right, number four, and we're going to breeze through these last ones. Number four is just focus on a few and do life together. It is actually really remarkable how few people Jesus spent time with. And as his life went on, he actually focused more and more and more down. So first he was preaching and teaching to the masses, and then he narrowed it down and he called in the 12. As time goes on, you see him start to do more and more things with the three, right? And then in the very end, he just has the the three in the garden praying with him. Right? He really narrowed down his life and did life with only a few. You can do, you can go through a workbook with 15 people, right? You can, We can send hundreds of people through a discipleship class, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. We can only live life with very few people. There's no way, I would say, we can do more than Jesus did. I really feel like I can only like live life discipleship with maybe like two or three at a time. I'm probably way, but Alicia has a way broader uh, ability than me. (laughs) I love picking on her. I'm sorry, my friend. But like, I just, that's all I feel like I have the capacity for, especially with homeschooling and kids and my husband and, and doing other things that are wonderful. So anyway, you determine, ask the Lord, how many can I really pray for and spend time with? Really only a few, right? Jesus really focused his time effective discipleship, the most effective discipleship takes place doing life together. And that is what Jesus did. When he was preaching, when he was healing, he had them with him. And the thing about this that's a little tricky is that then your whole life is on display. Right? It's not just like, here's your here's your thing to fill out, here's your Bible study. It's allowing your entire life be vulnerable, to be open, to walk in humility, to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm not going to do it perfectly, but my whole life is going to be an example. This kind of discipleship, then, I would give as a definition, is simply an intentional relationship for the purpose of growing in Christ likeness. An intentional relationship. For the purpose of growing in Christlikeness. Now, more specifics, practicals. What do we do? Number five. And again, maybe this is obvious, but anchor your times with scripture and prayer. Anchor your times with scripture and prayer. This is just a relationship, but it is an intentional relationship. Make God's word the very core of what you do. We're living life together. That's awesome. But we are also anchored in the scriptures. Read the word together. Study the word together. In Master Plan of Evangelism, that excellent book, he he notes that there are 66 references. When Jesus is talking to his disciples, he references the Old Testament 66 times. That means his speech was constantly filled with the scriptures. When he's talking to other people, there's more than 90 allusions to the Old Testament in Jesus' words. So everything that he was saying was filled with the scripture. And along with that, pray, 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 right? Pray for them every day. Pray with them together. Encourage that disciple to communicate with God on her own, right? Sometimes if people are really, really, really scared to pray out loud, I mean, there's all kinds of fun ideas, but I'll just give them a prayer to pray. I said, let's just both pray. You know, Father, thank you for, and just say it. And that just at least gets them to say something out loud. It's like, the, sometimes that's just the first step. is just to speak out loud to God, even if it's just something that they've already heard. Whatever it takes, pray, pray, pray. Connect them to God. Teach them that they can hear the voice of God in their own life. Number six, as much as possible, keep teaching natural and informal right? Jesus was always just teaching on the way. It's the same as that beautiful passage about parenting in Deuteronomy 6 where it says, talk about God's commands on the way as you go, as you sit, as you stand, put them on your forehead, put them on your doorposts, constantly be talking about what God is doing, talking about his word, making illustrations, and what do we teach them? Very briefly, he says, baptizing and teaching. And I would say, teach them about their identity. Right? You may not physically baptize them. Maybe you, maybe you would. That's awesome. But baptizing is my entire identity has been swallowed up in Christ and raised with him. And I no longer live for myself, but Christ who lives in me. So teach them their who's and their do's. Who they are in Christ. Study that together. Pray that over with them. And then teaching, teaching what? It says teaching them to observe, excuse me, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. So anything in here is fair game for discipleship curriculum, right? Teaching them to observe, that is obey. So we've got who's, who they are, and do's, how to live it out. Show them their identity and then guide them in obedience. Identity and obedience, Identity and obedience and always, always along the way, open up your own life and share your struggles, failures, victories. It's not about you, but often, so often, I mean, I feel like most of the time, the first step that has to happen in order for that person to open up and be vulnerable is for you to open up and be vulnerable and share your junk and struggling through and how you're following Jesus Christ. And then also you establish yourself as peers, right? Jesus is the only one who is like clearly like the master, right? He's the only one that's like, I'm the teacher, you're the follower. It's not like that with us, right? We are side by side growing in Christ like this. And number seven, the very last one, just to give us freedom, don't take too much credit either way, right? People still have to make their own choices. So you will have some disciples who thrive and some who do not. And we just need to, again, quoting our beloved Janet, get over ourselves and don't take too much credit. Either way. The secret is, my secret, (laughs) Um, Michelle shared her secret, my secret is that I am secretly aiming to disciple every person in my life. It's like undercover discipleship, right? Basically just looking, I I believe this is, we can do this. Can we look at every relationship? Not that I'm discipling you, so not it, right? Look at every relationship as how can I help this person along the continuum toward Jesus Christ? Sometimes it's going to be very formal, Sometimes it's going to be very much a teacher-learner situation, like with our children. Sometimes it's going to be with our spouse. Sometimes it's going to be with a friend. But in every single situation, how can I help this person become a disciple of Jesus Christ? Right? My kids, my husband, my friends, my unsaved family members, the disciple people I meet with, the girls in our Bible study, new people who just start coming to church, blog readers, people who read my books, you right? There's the secret, right? We're seeking to make disciples of every person that we come in contact with. It doesn't mean we know more than that other person. It just means, how can I be disciple to learn from you and help this person along the way toward Jesus? Discipleship is not separate from life. Discipleship is life. All of life, discipleship It will give purpose and intention to every single relationship. The most impactful quote someone said to me, this is our last thing we'll um, worship, Um, when I was beginning to really walk with Jesus and have a passion for making disciples, and following him, and a very wise woman who was part of Discipling Me too, um, she's in her 60s, she looked me in the eye, and she said, you pursue Christ, full steam ahead, and others will be caught up in your wake. And that has so struck me, and carried with me for the last 18 years, you Follow Jesus, full steam ahead, and others will be caught up in your wake. And I believe that for every single one of you. Every single one of you is influential. Every single one of you has a territory. Every single one of you is a missionary. And if you pursue Christ, full steam ahead, those around you will be caught up in your way. And my prayer for this weekend is just that it would add a little dose of intentionality to that. That you would see all of life as making disciples. That you would see that making disciples is as you go. And we become more intentional about every relationship that we have, helping them along the way toward Christ likeness. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the ways that you have sent people into our lives to disciple us. And I pray that you would make these women into mighty disciple makers for your glory, God. We pray that you would do it through your power, that we would not rely on our own strength, but we would abide in you and that you would make disciples of you through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.